0: Our scripture this morning is from the 10th chapter of Hebrews as we continue uh, making our way through uh, the epistle to the Hebrews. We'll read today verses 19 to 25. Would you please stand for the reading of the scripture, Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 19. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. May God add his rich blessing to reading of this portion of his holy word. Will you pray with me, please? Again, our Father, we thank you for your holy word, and we pray that by the power of your Spirit you would come and speak to us, that we would hear the voice of the Good Shepherd and that we, his sheep, would know him and follow him. We pray that we would see him high and lifted up, that you would uh, open our uh, ears and our eyes and drive back the opposing power that we might offer ourselves to you promptly and sincerely. So come and speak to us now in spite of the inability and sin of the preacher. In Jesus' name, amen. Be seated, please. Jesus, the new and living way. We have been in some deep material for a while now, working through uh, the book of Hebrews, but in this passage before us, the author pauses to let us catch up. He briefly and simply summarizes what he's been uh, telling us and he tells us what to do with it. Now the layout of this passage before us, if you have it in front of you, like you ought to, the logic of it is clear. In verses 19 and 21, he says, Since we have. So you see, we have something. Then in verses 22, 23, and 24, he says, let us, let us do something. You see, since we have something, let us do something. This is what Christianity really comes down to. God gives us something, and therefore we Do something. It's that order. It's always that order. You know, we've been hearing the term quid pro quo in the news just about every day for a while now. Of course, those words quid pro quo simply mean this for that. You give me this, I'll give you that. We make a lot of quid pro quos every day. Every purchase or sale. Every bill paid. Every hour on the clock. It's a trade. This for that. But God does not deal with his people on that basis. Our salvation is not a quid pro quo. God does not say to us, you do something for me, and I'll do something for you. He does not say to us, if you are obedient, if you are good, if you do well, then I will accept you. No, he says, I bless you. I give you something you have not earned. You have not worked for it. You don't deserve it. It's a gift. It's free. It's grace. Now, put the gift to work. Do something with it. Let's get to it. First in this passage, we see what we have. What we have. And he tells us, Two things we have first we have confidence to enter the holy places look at verse 19 therefore brothers since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus what holy places is he talking about he's talking about the presence of God go back a page to Hebrews 9 and look at verse 11 Hebrews 9 and verse 11. But when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come, then through the greater and more perfect tent, not made with hands, that is, not of this creation, he entered once for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, thus securing and eternal redemption. This is not the earthly sanctuary. In the tabernacle, remember we saw that the tabernacle on earth was a copy, a shadow of the real thing, the true presence of God in heaven. He's telling us that we can enter the presence of God, the true presence of God with Confidence, it's really quite a statement. It's a bold statement. We might expect him to say, we can enter the presence of God with trembling. But he says here, we can enter the presence of God with confidence. Now, we shall enter the presence of God when we die and our spirits are carried to him, but we're in his presence now in worship. We enter his presence when we pray. He's telling us we can come before God with confidence. How? The end of verse 19 Hebrews 10, 19 says, By the blood of Jesus. His blood has paid for our sins. The justice that should come down on us came down on him. The price has been paid. Justice has already been served. There's no more wrath for us. The Apostle Paul says, There is now therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ. We sometimes sing a fairly modern hymn called In Christ Alone. Most of you know it. It has become a classic in its own time. Do You know, one of the more liberal denominations understood that that's a popular song today and wanted to include it in their hymn book. But they had a problem. That song has a line that says, Till on that cross, as Jesus died, the wrath of God was satisfied. Well, that liberal denomination did not believe in the wrath of God. So they asked the author's permission to change the word. And to their everlasting credit, the author said, No, leave it the way we wrote it or don't use it. You see, you take the wrath of God away and the cross doesn't mean anything. Yes, God has wrath. We deserve His wrath. But God is love. And God so loved us who deserved his wrath that he gave his son to endure it all, to bear it all, to pay it all, to settle it all for us. Now look at verse 20. By the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain that is through his flesh. In the old tabernacle and temple, the way into the Holy of Holies, into the presence of God, was through the curtain or through the veil. And the way into the true presence of God in the true holy place is through the flesh of Jesus. The high priest had to go through that veil to get into the Holy of Holies. And you must go through the flesh of Jesus to get into heaven. This is why he became flesh, why he became man, so that he as man could die for us. You see, he is the way. That's why he says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. He shows us the way, but he does more than show us the way. He paved the way, but he does more than paved the way. He is the way. As his flesh was being torn on the cross, God himself ripped the curtain of the Temple from top to bottom The way is open It is a new way It is a living way For the way is a person And the person is the way So we have confidence To enter the presence of God Secondly, we have a high priest Look at verse 21 And since we have a great high priest Over the house of God Again, as he's already done, again and again, the author reminds us that Jesus is both the priest and the sacrifice. In the Old Testament, the priest offered the lamb or goat or bull, whatever the offering was, Jesus offered himself. He is our priest, the one who takes us into the presence of God, the one who reconciles us to God, the one who pleads our case. He is our friend who sits at the right hand of God, who takes us who are the enemies of God and makes us friends of God, our high priest. That's what we have. We have confidence in a holy place and we have a high priest. You know what he's saying, don't you? He's saying we have Jesus. All the blessings, all the benefits we enjoy as children of God, we have them because we have Jesus. He is our sacrifice. He is our Priest. We have every blessing in Jesus. That's what we have. And now secondly, we turn to what we are to do with it. Or to say it a little more correctly, what we are to do since we have Him, and He tells us three simple things because we have Jesus. First, pray. Look at verse 22. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. To draw near to God is to pray. We pray because Jesus is our priest and our sacrifice. He is the way to God. We know the way. This is why we pray in His name. It's through Him, through His person, through His sacrifice, through His blood that we come to the Father. So pray. Now you see He says there in verse... Twenty-two, that our hearts, our consciences are sprinkled. Sprinkled with the blood of Jesus. And our bodies washed with pure water. His blood takes away our guilt and shame as water removes dirt from the body. This is one reason why in the ARP church we baptize by the mode of sprinkling. Blood was sprinkled in the Old Testament. Symbolic of being sprinkled with the blood of Jesus. And the outward washing ceremony of baptism is symbolic of eternal, of internal spiritual sprinkling of the blood of Christ. But I'm not here to argue over baptism. Yes, I know baptism also... But signifies being buried and raised with Christ. We're not to debate that today, but the point here is to pray. We have access to God, His blood has cleansed us that we may come into His presence. So use it. Go. Pray. Secondly, we are to hold fast. Look at verse 23. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. Persecution was coming to these people. There was temptation to turn away, to give up on God, to go back to what they were and what they had believed before they came to know Jesus. Persecution all over the world today. I won't say Persecution, but there is more societal pressure against following Jesus now than there was in our own culture just a few years ago. How do we hold fast? How do we stand under pressure? We know who God is. We know his faithfulness. We know he loves us. How? He shed his blood. Though Satan should buffet, though trials should come, let this blessed assurance control that Christ hath regarded my helpless estate and hath shed his own blood for my So, so pray, hold fast. And finally, we are to encourage one another. Look at verse 24. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is a habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Now this is plain, straight talk. We are not supposed to skip meeting together. We are to assemble together for numerous reasons. But here in this passage, Hebrews 10, 24, we are told to assemble together to encourage each other to stir up one another to love and good works. That is why we're in this house today in the presence of God. And I might as well say it, though I'm preaching to the choir today. You might feel close to God in that boat or in that duck blind or on that golf course or in that camper. But you are absolutely worthless at encouraging and supporting your brothers and sisters when you are not gathered with him, with them in his house. You know, I could watch the news all week and conclude from what I see on the news that God is done. But then, after six days of hearing and reading and seeing the news, I come into this place. And like Elijah, I see that I am not the only one left. God still has his people. God is still at work right here. And I don't know about you, but you have no idea how much it encourages my soul to press on to come into this place every week and look at you. We have all this. God gave us all this in Jesus Christ. The way to God. Access to God. So that we could enter his presence. Draw near to him. And so we could draw near together. great general Thomas J Jackson's widow Anna I have very little in common with my hero but I at least was able to marry a wife with the same name but when the general was killed in the spring of 1863 before his body was carried to Lexington, Virginia, where the funeral would be held in the Presbyterian Church and he would be laid to rest. The governor of the Commonwealth of Virginia at that time, John Letcher, ordered that his body be laid in state, uh, in the state house, before it was carried in Richmond, before it was carried to Lexington. His wife reported, or his widow, reported that over 20,000 people came through the state house to pay their respect to General Jackson. And then she recounted a fascinating story. She said, At the hour appointed for closing the doors, the multitude was still streaming in and an old wounded soldier was seen pressing forward to take his last look at the face of his beloved commander. He was told that it was too late. The casket was then being closed for the last time, and the order had been given to clear the hall. He still endeavored to advance when one of the marshals threatened to arrest him if he did not obey orders. The old soldier hereupon lifted up the stump of his mutilated arm and with tears streaming from his eyes exclaimed, By this arm which I lost for my country, I demand the privilege of seeing my general once more. It so happened that Governor Letcher was standing within earshot of that soldier and said, Let this man in. He has gained entrance by his wounds. That's the message of this passage. Jesus Christ has gained our entrance into the presence of God with his wounds by his own blood. He is the new and living way, his own self. You have access into the presence of God. So go. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.